dealing with. Maybe they're dealing with depression. Maybe they're dealing with anxiety. Maybe they're, they're dealing with addiction. Lord, only you know. But Lord, you are the king. And you are still on the throne. And as long as you are still on the throne, there is always going to be a reason that we have to praise. And I hope and I pray that every single person sees that in you today. In Jesus' name. Morning, everybody. Y'all doing good? Well, it's Christmas time. And we're in this, what well, we're calling it a Christmas series, even though I really call it a king series. Because our king has already entered the world. And... Um, I'm glad Joe is on board with me this morning. Um, but hey, can you, can you it's ringing. Um, there's this guy, he's a, he's a novelist. Um, you may ever heard of uh, George R.R. R. Martin? Okay, have you ever heard of his novel, maybe A Clash of Kings? Anybody? Man, you guys have got to pick up a book, all right? So, George R. R. Martin, in his novel, A Clash of Kings, uh, he, he wrote this. We'll give them a second to fix that. He wrote this in his novel. People often claim to hunger for truth. It's just true, right? People often claim to hunger for truth, but seldom like the taste when it is served up. Anybody with me on that one? Seems pretty fitting in our society today, right? Do you agree? I'm going, to read it, I'm going to read this quote again. People often claim to hunger for truth, but seldom like the taste of it when it is served up. And see, our friend Samuel kind of wrote something similar. Our friend Samuel, he's an he's a Old Testament prophet, and in Judges, he, he wrote this. He said, in those days, Israel had no king. All the, people, all the people did whatever seemed right or true to them in their own eyes. Seems pretty fitting. <laughs> Well, there's really nothing new under the sun, right? The Bible's clear on that. We still suffer today from what Samuel's culture suffered from then. People hunger for truth, but when they hear truth, they're like, no, that's not my truth. You ever heard that? All right? But all this sounds eerily familiar. So we live in a time when we have information at our fingertips. We have all the information we could ever need on our phones. We just look it up. I tell Lyric all the time, there's no reason you should make a bad grade on your, on your assignments because you can literally Google the answer. You're homeschooled for heaven's sake. You know what I'm saying? Now, I don't promote cheating. But seriously, like, why are you getting a 20 out of 100 when you literally could just look up the answer? You know what I'm saying? Be a little bit, be, be a little bit smarter, Lyric. You're welcome. <laughs> I love you dearly. We live in a time when we have information at our fingertips, but we are still seeking truth. Still seeking truth. Here's the deal. Truth is not manufactured. It's not manufactured. It's not manufactured by, by by an individual. Truth is not an object left to be defined by the whims of culture and what it is and what is it that culture tells us about truth. Well, truth is, however you are feeling today. How do you feel today? Well, okay, well, then that's your truth, right? I may feel differently, but that's my truth. That's how our culture displays things now. But, here, but here's the deal, friends. When truth becomes a subjective entity that each individual de- determines for themselves, civ- civilization descends 
into chaos and spiritual ruin. When each individual has their own truth, society is in chaos and is in spiritual ruin. You can say it like this. If each of us have our own truth, then there is no real truth. You with me? Because truth is either always has to be true or it's not truth. You with me? Now hear this. After Samuel wrote Judges, right, there's this other prophet who came in, and his name's Isaiah. He's one of, our, one of our Old Testament friends, and he prophesied about this Messiah that would come, that would, would be a, he would be born, and he, he would be born with truth in him, all truth in him. In Isaiah 11, 1, it says, Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the, the old root. I love how... Old Testament has this poetic language, stunt be, stunt, the stunt being out of stunt being David, and out of David's out of David's David's family would come a Messiah, right? Uh, it 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 would be uh, this branch bearing fruit from from the old root, and the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will not judge by appearance nor make decision based on hearsay. Thank you. You with me? <laughs> he will give justice to the poor and make fair decisions for the, for, for the exploited. The earth will shake at the force of his word. When God speaks to us, it should rattle us. In fact, it should rattle us to the point that we have to get rid of whatever he's speaking into. Because once he speaks into life, speaks life into you, whatever's dead in you has to flee. There's no room for death unless you let it in. And one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. I'm waiting for that day. Because I'm tired of the enemy's attacks. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. From the very root of who he is is truth. This Messiah that would enter the world would, ha would have and be the foundation of all truth. And I'm here to tell you, truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. I don't care what books you read, who you, what podcasts you listen to. If it goes against the way that Jesus described things, how God designed things to work, then they are not speaking truth to you. They're, as we'll read here in a minute, they're acting like their father, the devil, the father of lies, who has no, knows no other way but to lie. So, to you Buddhists, Buddha only said that he was a seeker of truth. To the Muslims, Muhammad said he was a prophet of truth, only a prophet of truth, which isn't true. There's a lot of things he said that would happen at a certain time, and it didn't happen, which makes him a what? A, a liar. False prophet, but a liar. So Buddha only said he was seeker of truth. The Muslims, the, Muslim, the Muslims, Muhammad said he was the only prophet of truth, which isn't true. But the king, but our king is the only one who said in John 14, 6, and this is what Jesus explained. You ready? He said, I am the way, I am the truth. Uh-oh. We lost signal. It's okay. I'm going to keep going. Truth, truth is a person, and his name is Jesus. Now I can't read it. So we'll wait a minute. How, how many of us believe a lie? How many of us have ever believed a lie? 
like that person has said, man, this seems like it could absolutely be true. You with me? Like, out of, out of, listen, before Jesus, before Jesus really changed me, I mean, I was a manipulator, like big time. And what the enemy wants to do is man, to manipulate, manipulate truth in your life, which we'll get to in a second, but I got you. So Buddha seeked truth. Muhammad was a, said he was a prophet of truth, which isn't true. But our king is the only one who said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes next to the Father except through union with me. Jesus is the only one that says, I am the thing that you are seeking. Everyone else is seeking. Everyone else seems to be talking about. But Jesus said, I am the very thing that everything is seeking. Like, what is it that you're truly seeking after? Truth. Truth to better your life, right? I mean, what, like I say this all the time, what is the biggest section in the bookstores or, or when you order books off Amazon, what, what's the biggest sellers? Self-help books. Because we're trying to better ourselves. We're trying to find some truth that will better us. In reality, Jesus says, I am the only truth that could ever truly save you. There is no other name under heaven, no other truth that can truly save us from sin. And let's be honest, save us from ourselves. Save us from ourselves. See, our king is the king of all truth. Our king is the king of all truth truth but here's what happens our adversary satan he takes truth of god and he changes it for a delusion he's done this from the very beginning all the way back to genesis in the in in creation everything's created god's created everything so good and god says you can have whatever you want in my creation adam and eve except for this one thing don't eat the fruit from this tree then what does satan do he takes God's word and he turns it. Our king is a king of all truth. And then in Genesis, Genesis 3.1, it says, Now the serpent, which is the devil, was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say? That's an interesting question. That's Satan asked, because what he wants to do is try to, he's going to take something that God said, this truth that God said, and he's going to twist it to convince you that maybe that's not exactly what God meant. So he goes, he said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said... You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. I don't know if you, I don't know if you ever actually read this story, but God never told them they couldn't touch the tree. He added that in there. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. And meanwhile, God created everything. It was all good. Man and woman were good. Even when God made the woman, Adam was like, whoa, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, God, you have done me good. Everything was great. But what made it great was that they were in perfect union with their creator. He would come down and walk. And what really God meant 
when he talked about death, it was really a separation, not physical death, even though that would be a part of it. But death, talking about separation, you look at like Ephesians 2 and it says, which we'll read here in a second, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Like you were separated. You'll, you'll be separated from relationship with me. But even in that separation, but I'll finish in a minute. Even in that separation, when he comes and follows, comes find them after they eat and they fall for, for Satan's delusion, what does he do? He sacrifices an innocent, innocent lamb as a picture of what would happen on the cross, and he covers their shame. That's, that's why it's so good to be loved by him. That even when we don't deserve it, when we turn our backs on him, he says, you know what? I am still yours and you are mine and I will dress you like the prodigal son running back home. The father runs off the porch and says, find the greatest robe, find my ring. The very ring that I wear that I seal things and place it on his finger and place a robe on his shoulders. Even when you don't deserve it, when you turn your back on your father, he says, you know what? I love you enough that I'm still going to cover your shame. The serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it in your, when you eat of it in your, in your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And this is where the root of your truth and my truth and our truth and this truth comes from. From the very beginning, he says, you will be like God. You will be truth. From the beginning, he has destroyed truth, trading it for a lie deceiving Adam and Eve, causing a separation between God and man. And now we're, now we're in this dilemma some thousands of years later where we look at Adam and Eve and say, like, thanks, Adam and Eve, why'd you do all that? And when in reality, we would do the exact same thing they did. Like, we look back and like, how dumb were they? Well, let's talk about yesterday in your life. You with me? You are not much different. Not at all, really. In fact, you have believed the lie too. It's why Paul would write to us, our friend Paul wrote to us in Romans, he said, all because they traded the truth of God for a lie, they worshiped and served the things God made rather than God who made all things. Glory and praise to him forever and ever. We've traded the truth of God for a lie. You're like, no, Derek, I don't do all that. Okay, talk about this. If Zane scored a touchdown, now Zane's a lineman, okay? He may one day catch a ball and be a tight end, but he's a lineman. He picks up the ball, he runs it 80 yards downfield. I'm playing you up, bro. Playing you up, so you have to meet up to this, okay? Runs 80 yards down the other end of the field, and he scores a touchdown. What am I going to do? I might run on the field, take my shirt off, and, you know, Right? Which I should. I should celebrate my son. When was the last time I ran out on the field for God? Really, I'm not talking about running out in the middle of the field with a John 3.16. I'm just talking about, like, when was the last time that I literally, like, really celebrated what God has done for me? Or about this, you know, you know I just, it's raining outside. You know what, let's just watch church online today and not go in. Well, you know what? I'm not talking about this stuff, like never do this stuff, because I know sometimes life happens. But I'm just like, are we intentional in worshiping our creator? Or are we too interested in creation and what he has created? I know for me, I have to catch, my, I have to catch myself. Like, listen from the pastor, I screw up every day. 
I can ask my friends at work. Ask them about this past week. Has <laughs> this been crazy? Your boy screwed up a lot this week. But here's the good news. Every night, I felt renewed because the Father says, here's my ring. Here's my coat. You are still my son. You are not the center of the universe. You are not truth, all truth. Not all truth doesn't end with you. It ends with me. And my truth is this, is that I still love you and you're still mine. We traded the truth of God for a lie. Now John, friend John, John the disciple, records this interaction Jesus has with some religious leaders. And, you know, I don't know if you know much about the Bible, but, um, like, I hate it when people say that I'm part of a religion because, like, Jesus was the number one person who spoke against religion. You with me? Like, he, like, hated it. He actually said that if you're religious, you are a sinner above all else. Like, he hated it. So he was always, like, in confrontation with these religious leaders. And I kind of I wish I was a fly on the wall in some of these conversations. Because, I mean, I'd be the guy, like, punch him in the face, Jesus. And Jesus is like, no, I'm a loving God. I would never lay hands on anybody. And I'm like, okay, well, I'll do it for you. But listen to this interaction. Listen to this inter- interaction Jesus has with religious leaders. John 8, starting in verse 31, it says, Jesus, to those Jews who believed in him, when you continue to embrace all that I teach, you prove that you are my true followers. So what, whose teachings do we embrace? Lay it out here. Yes. We're in church. The answer is always Jesus. You with me? It's an old school Sunday school class. If you say Jesus, you, you're not wrong. You with me? Who's, who's, whose truth do we follow? Who's teaching? Jesus is. So we believe that he is the truth. He is the way. All right? When you continue to embrace all that I teach, all the truth that I teach, you prove that you are my true followers. For you embrace the truth. For if you embrace the truth, it will release true freedom into your lives. True freedom into your lives. Truth gives us freedom from, or releases us from the bondage of our past, bondage of our sin, and the bondage of religion. If you're a follower of truth or you're a follower of Jesus, your past does not define you, sin has no power over you, and you are free from having to earn acceptance. Read that again, because it's kind of long if you're taking notes. Plus, I wanted it to resonate a little bit. Your past does not define you, sin has no power over you, and you are and you're free from having to earn acceptance. Because you are already accepted by the grace of of Christ. You see, religion tells us that we have to do, do, do this, do that, do this, believe this, do that, whatever, and that's how you gain acceptance from, from, uh, from God. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. The cross shows that it is done, and it is fi- that's why he said on the cross, it is finished. Everything is paid for. You like Anything that you do from here on out after becoming a believer is out of response to what has already been done. And because my past don't define me anymore, because sin has no power over me unless I give it power, and because I don't have to earn acceptance, guess what? That frees me a little bit to to just walk, to just be. Your debt has been paid, and all we have to do is accept the reality that is in Christ. 
the reality that is in Christ. See, the Greek word for truth in those two passages can mean reality. A reality versus an illusion. This will make more sense here in just for a minute, but many of us who are not followers of Jesus or who are trying to who say that we're followers of Jesus and we're, but we're living another way, we're under an illusion right now from the, from the liar. That is Satan. And he was, like this morning, he is calling you back to reality. His only real life can be found in Christ. But he goes on to say this. He says, John 8, 33, he says, they're surprised by this. They said, talking about the religious leaders, the Jewish people, but we're, but we're descendants of Abraham and we're already free. Or like here in, um, here where we live, we can say it like this. Surprised by this, they said, but we, but we are Americans and we live in the land of the free. The descendants of Abraham were already free. We've never been in bondage to anyone. How could you say that we will be released into more freedom? More freedom. We have to understand that they were in bondage to ritual and practice. They were so disillusioned by the enemy that they thought that if they do this, this, and this, this ritual, this cleansing practice, this sacrifice, that that would make them closer to God to where they started to depend on the ritual and the sacrifice more than depend on the Father who said, come to me. They were a slave to the system and, they, and, and, and a slave to themselves instead of living in freedom because, listen, I don't know if you know this or not, but back when the Jewish people first became believers in God, God said, you are my people and I am your God, which is it's kind of, this is not freaky out. It's okay. So God didn't really give them the choice. Like, you're my people, I'll be your God. You with me? Now, this is, this is how this relationship's going to work. So, yes, they could walk in freedom except for the freedom that they took away from themselves. You with me? So God says, hey, this is how I want to be worshipped. This is how I want you to be commune with me. Right? And it was this very simple thing. And then what they did, they had took that and they pounded it in people's heads to the point where, okay, the only way that God will accept me is if I do these rituals and these practices and these sacrifices when God had already said a thousand years earlier, no, you are my people and I am your God. Like, I'm already yours and you're already mine. You don't have to work for it. You with me? But how many of us fall in that same boat? Because we can look back and go, well, they're idiots. You know, whatever. Why they, like, clearly it says that, but how many of us be like, maybe you grew up and you know, now it's ingrained in you. Okay, ooh, I said a cuss word. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I want you to continue loving me. You with me? I'm not saying go and cut somebody out, so don't do that. Or, or whatever mistake or whatever sin you have, like, oh, God, God hates me now. I'm going to have to clean myself up. No, 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 no. You are his. He is yours. You're already accepted. Already accepted. In fact, when he sees you, he, when God the Father sees you, he sees his son, Jesus. They were slaves to the system and themselves instead of living in freedom because of their bondage. It caused them to be sinful people separated from truth. It goes on to say this. This is Jesus. I speak eternal truth. Jesus said, when you sin, you are not free. Hello. You're like, nobody has no hold on me. Yeah, he does. Sin has a hold on you. You've become a slave in bondage to your sin. 
And slaves have no permanent standing in a family like a son does. For a son is a part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free from sin, then become true sons and be unquestionably free. Or some translations say, free indeed. Even though you are descendants of Abraham, it doesn't matter where you come from, what your background in, whether you're born in a crack house or born in the church, you sing an amazing grace. Doesn't matter. Even though you're descendants of Abraham, you desire to kill me because the message I bring has not found a home in your hearts. Yet the truth I speak, I've seen and received in my father's presence, but you are doing what you've learned from, the, from your father. What do you mean, they replied? Abraham is our father. Now this is pause here for a second. Who is their father? They're claiming Abraham when God says, I will be your father. They're trusting in a person outside of God. He is our father. He is our legacy. Because of what Abraham done, we're automatically getting, getting to the kingdom. Well, you're not walking like it. So Jesus said, if you are really Abraham's sons, then you would follow in the steps of Abraham. I've only told you the truth that I've heard in my father's presence, but now you are wanting me dead. Is that how Abraham acted? No. You people are doing what your father has taught you. Indignant, they responded, what are you talking about? We only have one father, God himself. Now they corrected themselves. They're like, oh, we, he got us on that one. You know what I'm like, he got us on that one. They say, we're not illegitimate. And Jesus said, then if God were really your father, you would love me. For I have come from his presence. I, I didn't come here on my own, but God sent me to you. Why don't you understand what I say? You don't understand because your hearts are closed to my message. Your hearts are closed. See, our sin blinds our hearts from truth. Like if, he can, if our enemy can get you to concentrate on sin and living, and living a life opposite of the way God designed for, for you to live, your heart will be blinded to the truth. Our sin blinds our hearts. Grace, I want to make sure you write that down. In fact, our, Paul, our friend Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians 4, 4. He says, for their minds have been blinded by the God of this age. And the God of this age is talking about Satan. For their minds have been blinded by the God of this age, leaving them, in un, leaving them in unbelief. Their blindness keeps them from seeing the day spring light of the wonderful news of the glory of God, the glory of Jesus Christ, who is the divine image of God. Our sin blinds our hearts from truth. Jesus goes on to say this. This would be one of those moments if I was a fly on a wall, I'd be like, this is almost like Jesus cussing them out, okay? You are the offspring of your father, the devil. And you serve your father very well, passionately carrying out his desires. He has been a murderer right from the start. He, 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 never, he, he never stood with the truth. He is full of nothing but lies. Lying is his native tongue. He is a master of deception and the father of lies. Native tongue. Native son. So if, we, if truth is reality, lies would be a delusion. 
an illusion or a false reality. And no one has done a better job at making a lie sound so true and real. He makes a lie so believable to the point to where he makes you, even though internally you know something's messed up with you, you he, he says, no, 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 you're good, you're fine, your truth is your truth, and you're good. I see it daily. <laughs> no, you're good, don't worry about it, like, you're good. You don't, nothing needs to change about you, this is who I am, this is how, this is, I was born this way, this is how I'm going to stay this way, and this is, this is how I was raised, so that's how I'm going to live, and it's just like, good Lord. But non, like I have this one girl that we work with at the school, and it's just like, I, I can't, like you don't have to live this way. You don't have to always live angry. You don't always have to live like somebody's against you. In fact, you have somebody for you, and his name is Jesus. It's the truth, all truth. He is for you. You don't have to live the same lifestyle as your parents or your grandparents and generation. Like, no, you can break the generational curse on your, on your family. Like, it could be you, but no, no, no. He's in your truth. Listen to these words from Paul. He says, so why fool yourself and live under an illusion? Why fool yourself and live under the lie? Make no mistake about it. If anyone thinks he is wise by the world's standards, he will be made wiser by being a fool for God. But what the world says is wisdom is actually foolishness in God's eyes. As it is written, the cleverness of the, of the know-it-alls becomes the trap that ensnares them. And again, the Lord sees right through the clever reasonings of the wise and knows that it's all a sham. So don't be proud of your allegiance to any human leader, for actually you already have everything. I'm going to pause up here for a second. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. If that don't punch you in the face, I don't care what sign you have in your front yard. I don't care. Honestly, I don't. Vote for whoever you want to vote for or whatever. That's cool. But if you put your allegiance into them instead of in your allegiance to the kingdom, you your life will never really live out for truth. So don't be proud of your allegiance to any human leader, for actually you already have everything. And who is that everything? It is Jesus. It has all been given for your benefit. Whatever, whatever it is, Paul, or, or whether it is Paul or Apollos or Peter the Rock, or, or whether it is the, the, the world or, or, or life or death or whatever, it's the present or the future. Everything belongs to you. Wherever you set foot is yours because you belong to the king. It's his kingdom. So walk, walk, with, walk with some authority in life. Trample sin under your feet. Whether Paul or Paulus or Peter the Rock or whether it's the world or life or death or whether it's the present or the future, everything belongs to you because you belong to the king. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And now you are joined to the Messiah who is joined to God. We are joined to truth. So stop believing the lie. So here's the truth. You are not good and you will never be good and nothing you, nothing you do will ever be good enough to meet the standard of God, period. 
Trust me, I've tried and I've failed. But here's the truth of the gospel this morning, Ephesians 2, 1. And in his fullness, and his fullness fills you, even though you were once like corpses, dead in your sins and offenses. It wasn't that long ago that, that you lived in the, re, in the religion, customs, and values of this world, obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient to the truth of God. That's where all of us were. Verse 3, the corruption that was in us from birth was, ex was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We lived by whatever natural cravings and thoughts our minds dictated, living as rebellious children subject to God's wrath like everyone else. And then this next word is my favorite word of all time. But. But. But God, not but Derek, not but Joe, not but whatever president's in office, not but whatever. But God still loved us with such great love. Good to be loved. But God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy, even when we were what? Dead and doomed in our many sins. Can, you, can dead people do anything about their situation? Like if I was at a funeral, preaching a funeral, and I said, all they have to do is sit up, they'll be fine. You'd think I'd have been sipping on the communion wine a little too long. You with me? Can you, do, can you do anything about your situation if before Christ you were dead or separated from him? When you were dead and doomed in your many sins, what did he do? When you didn't deserve it, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. Grace, the grace definition is this. It's unmerited favor. And so here's grace for dummies, because I needed it for dummies, okay? Here's grace for dummies. That even though you didn't deserve it and there, you could do nothing to earn it and no paycheck could pay for it, guess what he did? He said, you know what? I'm going to give it to you anyway. Even when we were dead, even when we were enemies, even when we were in outright war with the king of the war, world, he said, you know what? I'm laying my life down for the, my enemies too. And I'm going to save them. It's grace. It's a gift, unmerited favor, un, like you can't earn it. Verse 6, he raised us up with Christ, the exalted one. Like we are raised up with him, we are exalted with Christ. And we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. We are, we are now co-seated as one with Christ. You and I have kingship and queenship of this world. Because we are sons and daughters to the king. We have authority and dominion over this creation. Go the coming ages. We will be the visible display of the, of the infinite, limitless riches of his grace and kindness. Oh, his kindness toward us, which was showered upon us in Christ Jesus. For it was only through this wonderful grace that we believed in him. Nothing we did could ever earn this salvation. For it was the gracious gift from God that brought us to Christ. So no one will ever be able to boast. So you can't say, I've cleaned myself up. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. No, 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 you didn't. No, you didn't. Who gave you the hands to pull in bootstraps, y'all? Who gave you the mind to even know how to take the next step? So no one will ever be able to boast. For salvation is never a reward for good works or human striving. 
matter how hard you try. You'll never meet the standard, but we have a king who came and became the standard for us. Because Jesus is true to his word, he saved us anyway. Because he is true to his word, he saved us anyways. And that's the greatest message you could ever tell. Like we talk about jobs, we talk about football teams, we talk about our kids and their achievements. But when was the last time you just said, let me tell you how good Jesus is? Let me tell you where I was and where I am now. Like I still may look a mess, but you should have seen me like a year ago. Be, I was tore up from the floor up. You hear me? Because he is true to his word, he saved us anyway. The truth will set you free. Because Jesus is the truth. He's true to his word. He saved us anyway. So even though we didn't deserve it, guess what? He saved us. When we were in rebellion, he saved us. When we could, couldn't save ourselves, he saved us. When we believed the lie, he saved us. When we couldn't get past ourselves, guess what? He saved us. Our king of truth died so we could live in true reality. So that we could live connected to him. See, my friend, we, you have believed a lie for too long. You believed a lie for too long. And here's the truth is the truth of Jesus. Like he has, he has come here this morning to set you free. He's calling you out of bondage today. He wants, he, wants to walk, he wants you to walk in truth. He wants you to walk in the reality, the life that he has for you. He wants you to have a reason to praise. He wants you to give you a new name written down in glory. Jesus wants you to walk in truth. I know that you're probably wore out. Maybe you're listening to this later and you're just wore out from striving from trying. It seems like you take two steps forward and three steps back every day. And I'm going to tell you, just stop walking in your own power and let him carry you. See, I love it when people say, you just use Jesus as a crutch. Absolutely. Absolutely I do. Like, I can't, like, I can't, like, I can't face tomorrow without his help. Like, I can't, like, if you knew what goes through my mind, y'all, Now, I want to preference this by saying I would never do this, okay? I would never do this, but, you know, most of y'all know I work out and coach next door to the gym. And during the summers, there'd be running. I'm not built for running, y'all. But we'd have to run a mile, and we'd come up the hill, and we'd come down the road, and we'd run across the bridge, and then down to the other bridge down that way. I'll be running down the sidewalk. You know what Satan would put in my mind? You know how easy it would be to just jump over this ledge? Nobody would miss you. Like, you know how many times, like, Satan's put in my head, you should just give up? Like, even this week at school, like, I'm going to be honest with you, this school year, it's been like, I don't know. Let's be honest. I don't know what the hell is going on. You with me? I sit down with the, with my admin that I'm 
that I'm working with, and I said, like, this is the first year that I feel like I'm making absolutely no impact. In the back of my mind, I'm going, you should just quit. You know, it's just like, like, if you, like, I need this crutch. And if I didn't have this crutch, guess what? I would probably jump over that bridge. You know what? If I didn't have this crutch, I would probably quit walking down them hallways. You with me? Like, I need this. You need that. Like, I don't know. If you're not a believer in here, I don't know how you're facing the world without it. Like, what truth are you really believing? Because it seems like the people are putting out there a lot of truth. When Jesus said, I am the truth, the only way that you can be saved. I don't, I don't care what else you're following, and you're going to try to argue with me later, and my answer is going to be the same. I don't know what you've been listening to or what you're trying to follow or what you believe. If it's outside of Jesus, then it's not real truth. It's not real truth. It may have got you pretty far. Because even Satan can't create anything new, so he has to take something that is true and, and distort it to make it look like a lie. You with me? I mean, just to give you an example. Sex. You with me? Or how you raise your family. Or how you manage your money. Or we'll look at all the things that, just the easy things that we can look and say, this is what God says to do with it. What Satan's done is taken it, twisted it gave it back to us. That's just the easy things I can name off the top of my head. We need this trust. We need this truth because without Jesus, our truth, whatever truth we're trying to follow is a fake reality. It may feel good and look good for a little while, but there will be a day that comes, whether it be here in this world or when you die, that you realize you've been following a lie your whole life. Jesus was the only way. So no matter how bad this life gets or where you may go, just know that he is that tr that crutch, that truth that we needed. And he wants to save you this morning. He wants to save you. And we're not doing a song after this sermon. We're not doing any of that stuff. But here's the reality, y'all. You don't have to come up here to get saved. You don't have to pray down here. Like you can do it right there where you're sitting. But here's the deal. If you're ready to make a decision for Jesus, I will sit on the front of the stage and wait for you. You need somebody to pray with you. We have people that will pray for you. But don't leave here believing a lie anymore. I'm tired of my family. I'm tired of my friends. I'm tired of the people I'm acquainted with believing the lie. Like you realize there's, sorry, I'm going way longer than I intended, and I apologize. But here's the deal. We have cousins, we have brothers, we have sisters, we have moms, we have dads, that if they don't get this truth, they will die and go to hell tonight. You're going to argue about not wanting Olive Garden for lunch. What are we fighting for? We're not fighting for truth. I don't know if I'm just super emotional because I'm not feeling good or what, what, what it is. But I'm sick and I'm sick and tired of living my life. Like tomorrow, like today doesn't matter. Like I can just do it tomorrow. God, let's have that conversation with him tomorrow. No, 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 no. We're not promised tomorrow. I have that conversation today. Share that truth with him.
you here and you want and you want you and you want this truth, I'll be up here. Can you go get you a cup of coffee first to go get it and come back on I'll wait. Thank God, I want to thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to be here. Thank you that you are a truth, but your truth is so sweet. Oftentimes we think when we think of truth, God, we think of hard people. It's like, think of something mean. No, no, no. Your truth is so sweet. It's like honey on our lips. God, and I pray that truth just resonates in the hearts of people this morning. And I'm not just talking about here at Chip Church. All over Knoxville, all over the U.S., may truth ring out like there's something happening, there's revival happening, and I know it. It's happening somewhere. God, I just pray that you just pull us in there, that truth revival. God, I just pray that whatever, whoever we, like when we enter the room, truth just brightens everyone's life. They're like, man, I want what he has. I want what she has. God, I pray you give us a desire and an earnesty. Seek those that we're acquainted with, whether it be family, friends, or co-workers, and let them know the truth, the only truth that can set them free. I pray that you give me more influence in the hallways in which I walk. I pray you give us, as a church, more influence in the city in which we serve. I pray as they sit in their cubicles or they're in their work trucks or wherever they go this week, God, that you give them influence. Maybe, maybe the person next to them becomes a believer. And if there's somebody here that, you know what, I don't know if I can make that, make that decision today, I pray, that, I pray they feel like there's a marble in their mattress all week until they choose you. All truth, the all-knowing God, the all-ever-present God. I'm always with you, God. You are our king who sits on the throne. You're the king of truth. And it's your truth that doesn't bind us, but sets us free. I pray all this in your name. Amen.